Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road, riding with you in the sunnier days. I wouldn't want it any other way. It's time to name the neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you, it's not me, it's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture, and we will. Let's begin with now. Hey there, and welcome to episode 345 of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and I am so excited to be here with you today. If you're new to the podcast, well, hello, it's nice to meet you. And this is a letter episode. Well, what does that mean? Well, the foundation of the Find Your Food Voice podcast as it was founded in 2016 when it was called Love Food, are letters from listeners like you who write a letter to food and just spell out all the complicated bits of their history with food. And then I read it, sift through it, and then at the end of the episode, food writes back. And if you are struggling, feeling out of control with food, 
And kind of the flip side of that, feeling really comforted with food and feel like it's your only comfort. Well, then this episode is for you because the letter writer is struggling with this part and a little like sneak peek. I do have a little part of the Find Your Food Voice book that I'm featuring as part of the kind of intervention or just something to help the letter writer to move forward. So let me know what you think. I'm kind of hoping I don't get in trouble from the publisher by like leaking a little bit of it, but whatever. It was top of mind. I had just finished writing um, chapter four of the Find Your Food Voice book. And so I was like, I don't want to be a gatekeeper for it. So let me just go ahead and give the information now. Um, so I hope you like it. Let me know what you think. And you know, before we get to this episode's letter, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be back and you'll get to hear the letter. All right. Be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Dear Food, Ever since I can remember, I was an insecure child who struggled with her body image. I wasn't even a heavy child, just so embarrassed of my body. Additionally, I was exposed to diet culture early on as the women in my family, especially my mother, became so invested in the restrictions of a diet, ultimately crashing and burning later on. I adopted the idea that the Atkins diet was the cure. It had to be with the way my family sang its praises, even though it never really changed the way they looked. In high school, I struggled with a binging and purging disorder. No, actually, I still wrestle the thoughts all the time, and every now and again, I give in, which in the moment feels like a terrible itch I finally got to scratch. Food is comfort for me. Doesn't matter if I'm stressed, tired, or happy. I want to eat. I love to eat, and large amounts in a single sitting too, though I prefer the meal to be of quality ingredients and not something like fast food. Not that my relationship with food is as much quality in itself. Fast forward to 2018. I'm given some concerning news about an abnormal pap smear and the doctor wants to perform a procedure to help eliminate these bad cells. Only I wasn't having it. 
I decided I wanted to follow a keto diet and heal myself naturally. Well, it worked. And even better, I lost X amount of pounds while doing it. Over time, I started slacking, eventually gaining it all back. Since then, I've been chasing the dream that I could lose those X pounds on keto again, but it's just not the same. I have very little success, especially with the pandemic changing so many physical requirements I once had. I still try, still cheat, try again, try to change my focus to health like the old days, but I lost sight of what that was. Was it the giant salads for lunch? Are those bone broth only lunches? Was it macro tracking or the 10 plus different supplements I took every day? Who knows now? I'm now 16 weeks postpartum delivered via C-section. My confidence is shot. I try to appear like it's not, but my partner can see right through me. I'm also breastfeeding and already decreased my supply once. So anything else makes me terrified. My remedy for that is just eat whatever I want whenever I want. And that's not good. I just want to be in control of myself when it comes to using food for comfort. I'm so tired of thinking about diets. It's exhausting. I want a snack just thinking about it. And I wish it wasn't a joke, but it isn't. Love, still struggling. Welcome back and let's dig in to this letter. So letter writer, um, first thing that I want to say is that yes, this does sound very exhausting. Like you are spinning your wheels with no break. Um, That is a lot. That is a lot in itself with nothing else going on, but there's a lot to unpack from your letter and First thing that I want to say, in case no one's ever said to you before, I'm sorry that you were taught to be embarrassed of your body. It's certainly a lived experience that many people who are listening are going to identify with, probably in lots of different ways. And for those of you listening who have identities that are marginalized or historically been discriminated against or not safe, you know, that's going to be, um, I would assume like a really deep wound. So yeah, I wish that that wasn't something you were taught. Like it was, it's a, a mistruth for sure. And then to like double down on it, the women in your family, what I get from your letter Um, is that they taught you that manipulating and paying attention to your body like this and feeling that pang of embarrassment, that's how they strategize or maybe get ahead. Again, maybe that's even how in your family people stayed safe, depending on what type of identities you have. It could also be that's how they were seen or even (laughs) stayed invisible. Sometimes it's both. But a lot of the times it also helped um, those of us socialize as women to stay quiet and I think also stay distracted. Um, Something that you bring up in your letter too that uh, it 
calling it funny is probably not the correct term that I'm looking for, but I'm thinking about your transition from Atkins to keto. And I was like, wow, that's quite the Gen Z, Gen X rather to millennial. Um, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what the Gen Z version is. So listener, what do you think that is? If Gen X is, we had Atkins, actually, as I say that, that's probably like a late stage Gen X. It's probably more um, low fat is probably more Gen X. And Atkins is maybe late stage Gen X or early millennials. And then, oh, and I don't know if you can hear that barking, but <laughs> that is Doug barking. So whatever, I'll let him continue on his with his thing. But yeah, so the millennial version is that keto. And then maybe Gen Z, maybe that's intermittent fasting. I don't know. Let me know, listener, what you think. But with that all being said, moving on, is that from your letter, one thing I want to also communicate to you that is food is comfort. I get that from your letter that you feel really comforted with food. You know, you talk about sometimes getting to that itch that just needs to be scratched. And oh my gosh, how great that feels. Of course, it's comforting. And not only that, but you've trained for that kind of comfort. Every culture around the world, food is comfort. You know, think about every single culture, how they go through celebrations and mourning. Food is involved many different ways, but it is involved. And as a way to celebrate, to comfort. And then also the comfort part of it, I also think about how the women in your family taught you you to use food. Again, that's why I said like, you have been training for this. But on the flip side of that, I think it's kind of like a both and situation. Yeah, food is comfort, but also like food is also like breathing. Is breathing for comfort? Like if you had to restrict your breathing and then you finally got gasps of the air, is that just like a comfort? Of course it's a comfort, but it's more than that. It's survival. If you've listened to the podcast before, you've heard me talk about the five necessary experiences that we all humans have. And it's an experience is not the right word, but whatever. It's been, <laughs> but uh, the five things that we all have in common is we all need oxygen, shelter, water, sleep, and food. Those are like the five necessary ingredients to stay alive as a human being. You need all five of those. So that's why I struggle with being flippant with food as comfort because sleep is real comfortable. So is a glass of water or whatever fluid you're drinking. Nothing is better. My friend always says this. The best feeling in the world is being cold and warmed by a blanket. Because <laughs> warmth or shelter is like necessary, but is super comfortable too. And yeah, so is oxygen. Um, breathing. And I think it's important to, whatever you think about food as a comfort and you feel frivolous about it, or you feel maybe lazy about it or gluttonous, I want you to insert the word oxygen or breathing instead of food or eating. And really 
Give yourself some compassion and remember that eating is a part of survival. And when you've been training to abstain from it or manipulate it in order to do all those things I said before, like to stay safe or to stay seen or invisible or quiet or strategize or get ahead, then you've been training (laughs) for this. And this is something that I think is a, almost become like a universal struggle and I wish it wasn't so normal. It's one of those things, if I had a magic wand, I would want everyone to have permission to feel comforted by food, just like they feel comfortable and cozy when they're cold and wrap a blank, blanket around themselves. So let's move on to another part of control, letter writer. The... The topic of control and eating disorders is something that a lot of people talk about. And I think it's important to talk about, but I also sometimes think it's a way for folks with a complicated history of food to kind of distance themselves from any eating disorder behaviors. When in reality, I think for a lot of us with this complicated history, there are eating disorder behaviors involved. Um, But I also think there is a part that's important to name. And when our life has chaos in it, it's normal to like not want it to be chaotic anymore. And those five items that we need to stay alive, oxygen, shelter, water, sleep, food, whenever they have been rocked and things are chaotic, we're going to crave them. And probably the first two years I did this podcast, I was obsessed with sleep. Um, Even calling it out obsessed with sleep, that phrase, I'm kind of like, scolding myself in a compassionate way, of course. I was sleep deprived, y'all. Like I still had a toddler at home that loved getting up at 5 a.m. Now he's a great sleeper in her. (laughs) And so is my other kid. But, you know, I had a good, probably almost six or seven years where I didn't get a full night's sleep. So sleep was comforting. And um, having that first child for me, And then adding the second one was super chaotic. It shifted so much of the ways that I learned how to take care of myself, which included a lot of time just being alone, even though I'm super extroverted, but just having time to recharge. And again, to be by myself, feel my feelings. It was harder to do in those um, early years. And then also add on to it, I went through years and years of infertility. So I would imagine looking back on myself that, yeah, control, of course I wanted it because it was just so chaotic. And for you, letter writer, or anyone who can I relate to that letter or has those feelings of control, I, I hope you can have compassion for yourself when you do crave it. And it's really normal to like seek it in those five basic things that we need to stay alive. You know, coming back to our breath, like the oxygen, having that warm blanket, um, having, gosh, so many people talk about wanting to be near water to feel relaxed. And, um, you know, that could be just like an ocean or a lake, um, but there's something about even just being near water that can help us feel that comfort. And then of course, sleep and food. So yeah, like if we're reaching for any of those things, that seems like a really, I don't know, basic and outstanding way to calm the chaos. And at the same time, noticing that things are chaotic and that you're yearning for something that feels like 
um, a safer control instead of judging it. That was that would be my one of my biggest wishes for you, letter writer, is that you didn't judge this craving for control. Another point I want to make in your letter is I heard heard I read <laughs> I read some judgment about you know trying to keep your breast milk supply up and you know if you don't have a lot of experience with lactation listener you know something as a dietitian I remember learning is there's two things that can really decrease the amount of milk a person makes. And one is the fat content that they consume and the calorie content that they consume. Those are the two things that impact um, milk production. All the other ones, the the body can kind of figure out, but you have to have enough calories and you have to have enough fat. Um, That's why us Gen Xers really had to work on that from our low fat days. But um, yeah, so like when you say you're, you're eating what you want, whenever you want. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Like that's a tool. That's a way to help get enough. And I appreciate that it may even feel a little bit easier when it's like, well, I'm doing this for someone else. But uh, even without needing to like worry about lactation, I hope that anyone listening can also honor like, yeah, sometimes we need to eat whatever we want when we want. And that is a really great tool to help you mend your relationship with food. Here's what it's doing. This is why it's so heavy and so big is that you let a writer, you, by doing that, by eating whatever you want, when you want, you are healing your relationship with food to help mend your intergenerational relationships with food. Like all the women in your family that pass down these rules and maybe the rules change over time, but the embarrassment over the body and needing to tend to that, that has been passed down probably through many generations. And what I gather, letter writer, is that you don't want to, you don't want to be a part of that. You want to stop that. And by eating what you want, when you want, it'll feel so immoral. It'll feel like so wrong because it is going against all this intergenerational baggage that was passed down to you honestly with love they thought that they thought it was a really good idea and it probably did keep them safe or boosted um, access to something so that is something that I think is always important especially if you're the first person in your family to move away from dieting or some kind of restriction but watch out for met- mental restriction not metal, but mental restriction. Because if you are eating what you want, whenever you want, but you don't have actual permission to eat, it'll make it even more complicated and keep you stuck in that cycle longer. So I know it's not something we can just like snap our fingers and be like, I give myself permission, but you can certainly keep snapping. (laughs) And eventually the repetition will help you get there. So as I talk about this next part, um, I want to just give you a heads up. I'm like, oh, I hope it's okay from my publisher. Um, but I'm going to share with you a little bit of um, the Find Your Food Voice book um, in chapter four, which I just finished writing, actually. Um, I talk about what to do in the situation that still struggling's in, where 
that craving for control and also noticing that you don't want to be exhausted by diets anymore. Like you're, I keep like clapping my hands, <laughs> um, but uh, I feel so like so much passion about this, this point. But when you are just so exhausted by dieting, but you don't know how to move forward. And when I say dieting, I don't necessarily just mean diets. It could be some food rules you were taught by your family members. It could be eating disorder behaviors like restriction, purging, binging. Like it could be any of those. And it also could be diets. Um, I kind of lump all those together into something that I describe in the book as the should eat scripts. So these should eat scripts, you know, they, they each need to be attended to individually. And, and the way to do that, I'm going to go through right now. And the reason um, I go through it, I mean, that's a lot of chapter four, like why I want you to go through each one. But I think so much of moving away from diets is glossed over. Like, it's almost like we don't want to acknowledge the pain and the harm and the wounds that are there and just want to like tear off the band-aids and go forward carrying all those wounds and not attending to them and almost feel like you just are in this cycle over and over again. And the way to get out of the cycle is attend to the wounds, you know, really help mend them and help each spot recover. And each of those should eat scripts causes wounds. And so, yes, I go more into it, of course, in chapter four of the book, but the I want to teach you how to kind of honor what each should eat script brought you and also the harm that it caused. And the first step is to ask, you know, so I'm thinking about for you letter writer, you have two that you mentioned in this letter, Atkins and Keto. Let's do the Keto one since that one you told us more about. Um, but you know, the Keto diet um, has lots of different promises for many people, but I would first ask, what did the Keto diet promise you? And I know you had this um, abnormal cell pap smear and that's scary as fuck. So um, I would imagine that there was probably some Google searching and someone found that this changed some abnormal cells. And so the promise was, this may keep me alive. And that certainly was the short-term outcome, right? Maybe for you, which just want to say as a caveat, like follow doctor's directions, not necessarily for you, you letter writer, because you already made this decision, but like, um, I would just hate for someone who listened to that letter to go do that instead of falling through on a surgery. And, um, going into harm's way. So this is someone's uh, narrative and I always encourage folks to follow their in-person healthcare provider advice. But anyway, back to you, letter writer. So the short-term outcomes were like, yeah, you, um, the abnormal, abnormal cells went away. You did not have to have surgery. And there's also this weight change. The next question to ask yourself, which is something that I find many people miss that is really important which systems of oppression contribute, contributed to this script? So again, which systems of oppression contributed to this script? And I don't know for you, letter writer, what it is, but I wrote some down that I was guessing it could be misogyny. I mean, navigating healthcare, especially OBGYN healthcare, the pain, um, the minimization of pain, 
of course, like surgery just is a horrible option because of how like little there's been done to actually like center comfort and gynecological care. Anyway, so it's misogyny, healthism, elitism. I named those two, not necessarily that that's for sure happening, but I just think about like the all natural kind of push that a lot of us feel instead of surgery or medicine. So that could be a part of it. Also ableism, you know, the thought of going through a surgery and then having to um, take time off work um, or just resting more, that hits a lot of ableism for many people. And of course, anti-fat bias, you know, that was something that may have been an intentional part of starting keto um, or, but it was an outcome that you definitely remembered and what kept you kind of stuck and yearning back for that. All right. So after we go through those, the last question to ask about each should eat script is what were the long-term outcomes? And this is where you do not want to hold back. These long-term outcomes could have to do with your relationship with food, of course. It may have increased um, more of those binge purge behaviors, you know, that itch that you talk about, more shame. I wonder how it um, affected your relationships, how it affected your mood, how it affected your health. For a lot of people, this is um, going on a diet and off a diet, doing that back and forth is something that contributes to higher insulin levels, higher uh, blood pressure, higher blood sugar, more inflammation, higher cholesterol. I mean, the list goes on and on. And that is not an exhaustive list, but really think about the long-term outcomes as well. And that is something that I would encourage you to do for at least those two diets, but also maybe attend to all of them. So I go through how to like really come to that information in the book, which if you're wondering, January 2025 is when this is supposed to be coming out, fingers crossed. Um, But I do hope that helps. So let a writer... That's what I had to say. I see food has written back, but I hope that was helpful. And for you, listener, I hope it was helpful for you as well. And if you're listening and you want to submit a letter to food for this podcast, we're putting together 2024's podcast episodes, or maybe you want to include a Dear Food letter in the Find Your Food Voice book. I am still looking for letters for that. You can do that. There's a link below to submit it. You can also find a place to submit that on my website, julieduffydillon.com. All right. So like I said, food is written back, but I will be back here next week. And until then, take care. Dear Still Struggling, Your body is nothing to be embarrassed about, and we wish you were never taught this mistruth. We also wish your internal struggle with permission to eat enough and to be comforted with food was normalized. What if not no one taught you to diet? How would you choose to eat today? How would you react to your choices or amounts? We have a feeling there would be a lot more compassion if diets weren't taught as the default. To move forward, consider studying each should-eat script you've been taught, especially Atkins and Keto. Honor what they gave you, even if in the end it was destructive. Notice any themes that come up, especially around control, to help you make your next steps forward without dieting. Love, food. 
Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice Pledge? Go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book feed, and Colleen Bremner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture and reclaim our own food voice. I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.